The Faculty Futures Lab is a project of the SDSU Initiative for Inclusive Leadership, a faculty-led effort to grow capacity to lead within institutions of higher education in complex and uncertain times. Funded by the President's Budget Advisory Committee. Learn more at fa.sdsu.edu. All guests speak from their own expertise and experience, not for San Diego State University. everybody. I'm DJ Hopkins. I'm a professor in the SDSU School of Theater, Television, and Film, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Tracy Love, and I am the director of the School of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences. Hi, Tracy. Hey, DJ. I'm so glad to be doing this podcast with you today. today it's going to be a blast. It is. Uh, today, we're talking about leadership in higher education. Specifically, we're talking about that workhorse of academic middle management, the department chair. Even more specific, we've invited a terrific group of people to talk with us today about what it means to be a department chair or school director during these COVID days. We are so happy to welcome our guests today. We have with us Dr. Joanna Brooks, who is the Associate Vice President for Faculty Advancement and Student Success. Dr. Hala Madanat, who um, up until recently was the director of SDSU School of Public Health and now serves as the interim vice president for research and innovation. Thank you for having me. We have as well, Dr. Nee Corker, who's the director of the School of Theater, Television and Film. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. And last but certainly not least, we have Dr. Sarah Garrity, who is the chair of the Department of Child and Family Development. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome everyone. Yes, welcome everybody. Before we get started with questions for our guests though, Tracy and I want to set a, a baseline for discussion. Um, we wanna talk about what chairs and directors do in general, good times and bad. So I'm gonna ask Tracy a question. And sometimes I tell my students that it's my job to ask a seemingly stupid question in the hopes of generating uh, some production, productive answers. And in that spirit, Tracy, what does a department chair do? And what I always tell my students is there are no stupid questions. <laughs> so what is a department chair or a school director? Um, they wear many different hats and it's um, it's a role that interestingly enough you're not trained for when you're in graduate school no. so this is kind of um what i think they call baptism by fire when you take on this role although i think we will circle back to the wonderful institute that joanna has established to help prepare faculty for different leadership roles but in general a school director or a department chair is basically they're performing an amazing service in that they are the link between faculty and administration, between one department at a university and another, between different disciplines and the institution. 
they are the individuals that are on the ground interacting with their colleagues day in and day out. They ensure all aspects of their programs, the quality of their curriculum, their recruiting, their retaining, their faculty, their helping with faculty development. All the while, they're communicating up and down the administrative ladder. They have one main purpose is to be the primary spokesperson for their school or department's faculty, staff, and students. But in a very interesting twist, they also have a responsibility of communicating information from administration down to the faculty. And in order to be successful in this role, you can't just have a word salad dump onto your faculty. You actually have to interpret it. You have to interpret the policies and what, what you believe are the intention of the uh, mandates that come down. So it's a very paradoxical role because you're advocating for your faculty, but yet you may be given mandates that go against what you believe your faculty need. It's just you're right smack in the middle, just kind of spinning around trying to do the best you can on all ends. That's great. Thank you. That provides a lot of helpful context. Joanna, if we can start with you. You served as the chair of SDSU's Department of English for about five years, if I am correct in that. And now you run faculty advancement and the Institute for Inclusive Leadership. So you actually have a pretty unique perspective. And um, a phrase that, that DJ mentioned the other day to me that I, I love is that your unique positions give you a 40,000 foot view of academic leadership could you share with us your observations about the paradoxical role of chairs and directors? And importantly, how has COVID impacted these roles? Mm, thank you, of course. Right. So I love DJ's phrase, first of all. What was it? The workhorses of middle management? Or, I mean, chairs, I, I just see chairs as the, as the heart and soul of the academic enterprise, really. Um, hmm. There's no one who understands um, better in that spot where the rubber hits the road. They are typically among longer serving members of our faculty. So they often, but not always, but often, especially if they're brought up from the inside, carry a great degree of, a great deal of institutional memory, institutional history. And they have um, often um, longer standing relationships, which can be a very, very powerful resource but you know they're also willing to step forward and do what needs to be done and you know that's how i've always thought of leadership it's just, it's just a form of service it's a um it's it's a, a willingness to take responsibility for the whole is how i once heard it defined um and you know there's a long tradition in academia of departments deciding to rotate chairships right like everyone is your turn you know put your shoulder to the wheel step up do your part for the next few years it's yeah. Not necessarily the most satisfying labor, it's not, but you will do this for the benefit of your colleagues, for the benefit of, of our shared intellectual project, for the benefit of the students. Um, so right now, um, of course, I think, you know, one of the buzzwords in our context is agility and uh, in terms of academic leadership. But the agility for me is this dialectic, this going back and forth between what are the essential principles and commitments that make us who we are and what is the context in which we're being required to reinterpret and 
uh, affect those principles, right? I, I find myself referring these days a lot. I always refer a lot to the policy file and the contract, but I find myself going back to just our core statements of mission to core AAUP documents. Like what in this time of great upheaval um, and great disruption is the key thing to preserve and to honor? And, and how do we do that while meeting the exigencies of the moment, right? How do we honor this thousand year old tradition of higher education and our commitment as a CSU system and a campus to democratize it as radically as possible? And you know, key to that, if I've done my dialectic tacky back and forth right, I'm able to focus on the thing that needs to happen next and prioritize. So agility for me is about prioritization and i've seen this i've seen chairs be like okay which one do we do first set up the temperature checking statement station <laughs> or deal with the flooded floors you know like i mean <laughs> there have been these moments for each of us um and that ability to prioritize in a principled way i think is at the heart of academic leadership the two most essential resources that i found right now the things that are you can't do without and that you have to honor um relationships trust we would not be able to do most of the things we are doing now if we didn't trust each other. If we were all thrown into this COVID you know, epidemic without having had pre-existing relationships, it would be even more difficult. So I find myself leaning into and depending on long established relationships where I can say, look, you know, um, what do you really think? Where am I really falling short? Can I count on you? Where do I need to readjust? I do that, I'm doing that a lot because it's so difficult to work remotely. The second thing is time. Time is the most essential. Um, and because I think our time together on Zoom is uniquely demanding. It is um, exhausting neurologically in some ways as Dr. Lacey Barber explained on an earlier episode of this podcast. And not honoring our time together, it feels like an extravagant waste. Um, you know, meetings for meetings sake to me are less acceptable than ever given the large number of our colleagues who are homeschooling their children for whom like five minutes is a, is a lifetime. So time and trust. Um, we have a very ambitious strategic plan that's just been released. Um, we have a lot of people that really want to go chase those goals. Yet at the same time, there are a whole bunch of emergent factors that demand our attention. So how do we begin to constitute a wholeness, a wholeness in our vision? We don't have that yet. There's a lot of work going on in a lot of places, but I, I don't think we, we figured out that piece. If I, if I can interject really quickly, I love what you're saying, Joanna. For me as a school director, I am trying from a survival component without losing the, um, the quality of instruction for our students. For real. But trying to support faculty just to get through stuff right now. The yep. idea of growth, the idea of tackling a new strategic plan, good grief. Um, yeah, it no. is just yeah. too much right now. It just seems untenable. Nee, is there anything in what Joanna and Tracy have just said that you uh, recognize in your experience? Yes, I, I recognize a whole lot of it. Um, a whole lot of it in the sense that, I mean, Joanna pointed out to relationships and um, and had pointed out to the fact that there are new things being piled on that you're trying to, you know, kind of decipher, <laughs> first of all, to understand what is going on. The relationship aspect is really critical. 
because again, in this COVID era, as a, you know, school director, how do you convince your colleagues um, on faculty that administration says one thing and that basically um, they who are mostly your studio-based colleagues, that they would be able to teach successfully um, courses that are really face-to-face -face courses, you know, acting, for example, or um, the film production courses, you know, uh, cinematography, that, yeah, you know, um, administration says, yeah, it is possible, go find a way to tell everybody they could teach it that way. Mm -hmm. And you turn around and you start really thinking about it, and then you got to worry about, okay, what kind of software is out there that would, because in this scenario, you have to support your colleagues to succeed. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. And um, basically what it simply means is that you, for example, tell your colleagues to start thinking about virtual productions mm. um, and start exploring this frontier that they've not been prepared for. Let's hold that thought right there. I think we'll come back to that. Sarah, relationships, trust, agility. All part of child and family development. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to share that before I came to San Diego State, I have spent my life as a workforce middle manager, and I had a career in childcare. And I came to San Diego State, and I was like, "Yes, I'm never going to have to be administrator again." <laughs> Here I am. Um, but I think a lot about. Um, I remember I took a class on leadership for organizational change. I think, and we talked about compassionate leadership and how organizations can be compassionate. Um, so Joanna, when you were talking about our role kind of being the buffer, I know we had gotten a grant to do a curricular redesign and we were super excited and then COVID happened. But then we picked it up again and I read it and I said, wow, this is really good. The faculty wrote a really good proposal. But then I thought about it and I said, now is not the time to be doing a curricular redesign. They, this faculty are doing a great job, but they're trying to put their stuff online. Last week, I got an urgent email from the Dean's office and it was urgent and I emailed the faculty. We got to get on this right now. It's important. Um, but I was just in a meeting with our undergraduate committee. And at the end, you know, I said, do we need to have this committee? Now's not the time. Your focus right now needs to be on your students, your research, and your kids who are running around under the table, you know, <laughs> um, you have, you know, we joke sometimes that I got to go, I got to be the lunch lady now. Um, so really realizing that our faculty develop in the context of their family, right? And we really need, if we're going to be compassionate, we need to think about that as well. That's incredible, Sarah. I thank you both me and, and Sarah for that. Hala. I'm going to turn to you. You you were until recently a school director. Interestingly enough, school director of public health, with literally threw you into the fray uh, with with COVID. And at the same time, you're also now moved into an administrative position. You are also kind of experiencing this paradoxical relationship or position because now you're walking a line between your relationship with the county of San Diego and the university and getting everyone to 
understand each other's perspectives? Great question, Tracy. I think, and, and fantastic comments from my colleagues. Obviously, I agree with everything they've said. This is a tough time on many levels. And I think the best leaders recognize the burden that their faculty and their staff are going through and adjust both expectations of growth and expectations of change while, they're, while they go through it. Um, it. You framed it absolutely correctly, Tracy, is that I haven't left long enough to not remember the, the issues that a, a school director or chair faces um, and have shifted to this more higher level administrative role. But what I can tell you, I still believe it was my, my motto in the School of Public Health and be, remains mine now, is that you can inspire faculty to engage in the way that they can engage. All of our engagements doesn't look the same. Some of us, our engagement is throwing ourselves into the classroom and being these incredible faculty mentors, teachers, supporting our students. Others, especially in the case of, of where I was before this in public health, is responding to COVID. I have I had about a about a 20% of my faculty who shifted their research agenda immediately to respond locally to the needs of the to the San Diego community in terms of COVID response. Translated in a good amount of money, we've done probably close to 10, 11 million dollars in funding in the last few months, just in responding to COVID. But it is not about the money, even though I think it is now the MMVPR, <laughs> but it really is about the community response and the role of SDSU has in not only doing the right thing for our students, because by virtue, when we do the right thing for our students, we also do the right thing for our community. And I think those are messages that a chair, a director has a responsibility to, to it's not a pleasant place to be. I'm not saying it's a, a, a yay, good, you know, it's, it's a hard place to be, but it's an important place to recognize that your role also includes inspiring your faculty to do the right thing in these hard times. And the other part I would say for me, shifting my own role is that, yeah, my relationship with the council is more than a decade long and, and it is beyond my pleasure to utilize these relationships to, to support SDSU. And that's the part that we got to, it's tough um, because it's incorporating multiple jobs into one, but it's the right thing. And I think that the other part from my perspective we have to think about is that what COVID has done specifically is discipline specific. There are really disciplines that are impacted very much differently by the virtue of what they do day in, day out. And those things, really, the chairs and the directors are the only ones who will really, truly understand the differences. And that's why the pressure is higher in, the, in that role than it may be in other roles. Really good point, Hala. You know, and thinking about how there are different needs across the university, really helping our faculty be compassionate to their colleagues and supporting them when they may not have a specific need, but another place does and not feeling, well, if 
if it doesn't affect me directly, I'm not for it. It's really thinking about the whole community. So we go back to the, I love what you said, Hala, and doing the right thing for students is usually doing the right thing for the university. You know, there's a lot of, you know, for me, it's like, what is, what, times like this demand that we focus on what really, really matters to Sarah's example of like, do we really need this meeting? Do we, and yet, because we are afraid and anxious because we are human beings, faculty can be more anxious than, than typical people, you know, the non-faculty I've just found. Um, I find that sometimes some of us struggle in our academic community with letting go of something so we can focus on what matters. You know, there's a strong, like, we've always done it this way. Well, we have to do this. Like, it's a challenge for a lot of us in our faculty community to free ourselves up enough to just focus on the doing the right thing. Me, Sarah. Yeah. I know that both your fields have a lot of applied elements. I think when people think of teaching, education, when people, certainly when people think of theater, uh, they think of face-to-face -face interactions yeah. with, with students in a classroom, with an audience in a physical space. Yeah. How are you finding the kind of priorities that Joanna and Hala were just talking about? How are you navigating the things that you've always done an emphasis on kind of face-to-face -face applied professional activity. And if you're not doing that, what are you doing and how are you managing that? Yeah, the, 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 the challenges are in the virtual, I'm having to convince students um, that, you know, getting a degree in say cinematography or in acting or in performance, it is possible to do your work virtually and um, not have the traditional you know, ensemble performance to be able to get the performance out or even the design students. But, you know, the first part of it, I think, is that when, actually not just when COVID started, but where we are still right now, a lot of students are still very confused as to what is going on. A lot of students are, um, you're telling them the world is burning, but you're saying, well, you know, we're returning back to virtual learning. Nothing's, nothing's going to change in terms of your education. Yeah, the world's burning out there, but you know, have those assignments ready for me by next week. Um, the world is burning out there, but you know, you got to learn that you got to learn to switch gears in your head. And so this is where the compassion comes, you know, not just from faculty, but I had a meeting with students last week and there was a lot of um, anger and frustration. And that's because, you know, the inability to express yourself. Um, you said, okay, you're coming to get a degree in, you know, um, filmmaking or in design and, you know, we're saying, well, you could just continue to do it virtually the way you're doing it without access to equipment because distancing is important. But most of all, the essential thing is you're saying, basically, you're trying to keep everybody else safe, but they're not understanding it in this stage and age of space where they are, you know, in terms of the age ranges, you know, they feel like, well, you know, we're here, let's just continue, let's get it done. Um, I don't want to be out of school next year and then you tell me I got a degree with an asterisk on it, you know, to say it was a COVID era so I didn't get to work hands-on. I didn't get to get the kind of experience I should have gotten. So there's a balancing act here. There's a serious balancing act where um, you got to give them a little, but again, you got to worry about their health. So 
there is no handbook for pandemic in terms of higher ed. There is no handbook. There's, you know, the last one was a hundred years ago, and um, so right now we're the last handbook or the last <laughs> no the last pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I update the handbook every year. Come on, <laughs> please don't update the pandemic. <laughs> this one yeah. beyond the scope, beyond the scope of the job. Sorry. Thank you, Sarah. How are your faculty and students adapting? To borrow a word that Nee used to these new times. Well, you know, um, I was actually listening to one of these podcasts from a couple weeks ago, and there was a professor from engineering. And I remember he said, you know, our students have to be out in the field. They build bridges. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, they build bridges. And then I thought about, you know, our faculty and we really, we build people. And I, <laughs> I have to think about the faculty. I think they have this kind of identity crisis because it's so much a part of who we are and who they are individually that we work with children, we work with families, we're about relationships, we're about communities. So I think that's one of the reasons why I try to give them the space that they need to not worry about a meeting, but to really focus on their teaching and their research. You know, again, our research is so applied. Um, we have a clinical program, infant, toddler, or early childhood mental health. You can't really do telehealth with a three-year-old. Um, so, I think really just trying to listen and say, yeah, this is really, really hard. Um, and like Nii said, our students are scared. They have to get clinical hours. Like you, Tracy, I'm sure you're dealing with the same thing. Absolutely. Um, is telehealth going to be the same as being in a room with a parent-child dyad? Probably not. And I think the faculty are kind of grieving that and the students are kind of grieving that. Um, and it's too bad. But Sarah, you also have another level. There's this whole accreditation oh. requirement, that A word. Actually isn't as stringent as some of the other ones. Okay. Um, so we've been a little bit lucky. I feel really my colleagues in teacher ed and special ed and delay, I, how do you learn to be a teacher from behind a screen? Although I did see this wonderful meme where they talked about Mr. Rogers and he was a wonderful teacher on a screen. So There you go. Yeah. Can so, we jump in quickly yeah. and talk about what can chairs do in those circumstances to support their faculty beyond recognize, recognizing that it's tough? And from my perspective, the collegiality piece of it is hugely important. This is people have more bandwidth than others supporting the people who don't. Mm -hmm. It is doing virtual events that brings group together. It's as Tracy's doing right now with her faculty, faculty shout outs for things they're doing that are unique. It is really in a time where things from a lot of people's perspective are tough, from most people's perspective are tough, is how do we recognize people? How do we support people? And while you probably as a chair and director need the support yourself, your job includes supporting your faculty and your students a significant amount, much more than you'll get in general, just because it gets dissipated over time, right? It's like you're the direct person supporting your faculty. And so I would say really think about opportunities to recognize, to support, 
to thank, even thank yous are, are important and we don't often do them enough. Uh, I think for me, this, this builds the community that you want to build. Another thing if I could... I've seen that's been really nice is that um, emails going back and forth of staff supporting each other. Well, I tried this. Did you try this? Here's a wonderful place that will take our students. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really like a benefit of COVID. It's been so nice to see these exchanges going on um, that are really genuine and authentic and compassionate. That's an uh, excellent transition for what I was going to ask Joanna, which is what does the future hold for COVID leadership. So is there going to be a lasting change in the way that chairs and directors perform their duties? And I think, you know, we've all just heard some highlights of things that we may want to carry through when hopefully sooner rather than later COVID goes away. Joanna, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really thinking because this is such a difficult time. It's also a time when things are ending and falling away and are no longer feasible um, because they're not sustainable. That is a very powerful place to stand. And, you know, faculty employment is modeled for sustainability, right? I mean, there is a principle behind the reason our profession developed tenure. And it was that so we could pursue projects over time. And things that are not, you know, I see some chairs feel like their job is to say yes to everything and to just make it work. Um, and I really have come to value for myself, the chairs who will say, no, that, I just can't do that. I, we can't do that. I can't get that out of my people because sometimes the people are not wrong. Mm -hmm. They're not wrong. You know, they're not wrong when they say, I don't feel comfortable with X, Y, and Z. You know, faculty, our students spend 94% of their time during their four to six years here with our faculty in classrooms. Faculty know things. So, you know, I hope this is a time when academic leaders um, in the faculty cohort can feel confident in saying, you know, here's what really matters. Here's who we really are. We accept the challenges of continuing to grow and thrive in an emerging context, right? Like, we can't dream of a day when we'll go back to how it was. However, we can continue to reinterpret our core principles and priorities in new and ever more challenging circumstances. And just to add a sustainability note to it, I think I grew up in Southern California and I think a lot about the fires and I think about land that just burns because that's part of the ecosystem. And I think also about the ecosystem around San Diego and how incredibly resilient it is because it's such a low water area you know are we really are we resilient are we designed to thrive if we stick to our principles our core principles of what makes the academic enterprise we'll be okay we'll be okay thank you joanna i think that's really an uplifting hopeful point to end on for this conversation one of the things that i learned today is that agility in leadership means inhabiting what tracy called the paradox of the academic chair, mm. adapting to the contingencies right. of the pandemic, even though they seem to change every single day. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our guests. Sarah, Nee, thank you so much. You are our chairs in the trenches. Yay, chairs! <laughs> Yay. Tracy, so much fun. It has been 
a blast. Thank you guys so much, Joanna Halla. Uh, we really appreciate all of your insights. For more from the Faculty Futures Lab, listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts. And for more resources for faculty, including chairs, visit fa.sdsu.edu. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>